0: Hello everyone and welcome to The Film Angle. My name is Chris and I'm Alex and we of course have a very very special episode today where we of course will be discussing the long eagerly awaited legacy sequel The Railway Children Return. It's been 52 years of fans begging for it and finally now people are turning up in their thousands to witness the cinematic event of the year right Alex?
1: Yep, yep, The Railway Children Return. However, I've not seen it because I do not know what their views are on the recent rail strikes. And uh, if they're not supporting the rail strikes, I won't be going to see the film.
0: <laughs> well, obviously we're not actually talking about The Railway Children Return today. To be fair, though, I think it probably might have been a better movie than the one we are actually discussing today. Would you agree? Oof, oof. Uh,
1: I haven't seen any footage from The Railway Children Return. Only a poster. But I'm going to say... I think I'd still prefer to see this film.
0: Yeah, actually, I I, I agree with you. <laughs> it's a little hard. <laughs> he, he's going to turn up. He's turning up to see the Railway Children return.
1: I don't know, man. I remember like uh, like going around my grands and she put on like the Railway Children, or, or yeah, just I it's just, like I in I the VN. Of... but it was like I never liked it.
0: Like ne- like there was yeah. never a point where I enjoyed the Railway Children. It's like one of those movies, like your grandparents, like show you and it's like it's like that good night mr tom sort of category of movies where it's like hey i i love this story yeah good night mr tom was another one <laughs> yeah exactly one. or great gray fires bobby or whatever like that
1: yeah i just re- there's one scene i remember in particular where they flagged down a train and that's that's about it really that's it that's
0: it anyway that's we're it. not here to talk about the real way children <laughs> even though i brought it up <laughs>
1: No, we're here to talk about Thor, Love and Thunder, and we're going to get yeah deep into spoilers. So if you haven't seen it, go and Spoiler watch it. Word. And if you don't care about spoilers, then uh, then stick around and and have a listen.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So there's your warning. So should we just dive like into the movie? Should we just talk about like the story a little bit? Yeah, go for it. Obviously, you've kind of. Already shared that you
1: weren't ex- exactly a massive fan of the latest film. Well,
0: we'll get we'll get into why. Okay. Um, yeah, there are there are things I like about the movie, but there are oh, yeah. many things I have issues with. Well, anyway, yes. the movie it opens up with Gore, who's played by Christian Bale, and his daughter Love, who are dying of like malnourishment and dehydration in like a barren desert on some planet or whatever even though gore is like praying to his god to save his daughter and she's she she's dying anyway and she ends up dying and that's when the necrosword reveals itself and calls to gore and it's in this like tropical sort of oasis in the desert and some weird flower fairy fruit orgy is going on yeah you you're not sure
1: at first if it's even like you think it might even be just like a mirage.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it's presented that way, and it's and it's here where he meets the same god. He's got is it Rappu, something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's his, the god that he's praying to to save his daughter. He encounters in the middle of this oasis, and um, this god Rappu dismisses and humiliates Gore, leading him to like retrieve the necro sword that's calling to him. Murders his god and denounces all gods, and instigates this crusade to kill them all and subsequently becomes gore the god butcher and that's our opening to this movie
1: yeah and i i think relatively strong opening i think christian bell is is a very much a standout in this film um i don't think we had any doubts that he wouldn't be um gore is yes. is like a very interesting villain his motivations are really interesting I, I liked the setup. The my only issue was was that Bale is so serious in this, and I love that. Um, but as soon as we meet the god, it's it's just tonally completely different to every. Like not yeah, even, it, like he's weblash. a lot more kind of. But it almost feels like he's in a sketch. Like that's the kind of comedy kind of he plays. Mm-hmm. It's very like like very um, bumbling <laughs> yeah. and junky. I Also think
0: also. Is it because the CG model looks so bad as well? I thought he looked like it almost looked like a bobbling head on a on a body that wasn't connected to its head. It was like it was. I was like, what am I looking at here? It was kind of kind of threw me off a little bit too.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't come across that so much. I think I was just. I mean, obviously, you're going into a Taika Waititi film. I knew it was going to be funnier than, or tried to be funnier than most, uh, but not most films. But yeah, it was just. yeah. I was hit with such a tonal shift um, and maybe that was the point, but it just, it didn't fully work for me. Um, but I just, I, I thought the idea of, uh, you know, turning your back on your God essentially mm-hmm. have like then coming across the power to be able to kill gods and kind of looking into that and being like, you know, his, he's not exactly wrong in the film. You don't really meet many good gods along the way. And it's kind of like you kind of get yes.
0: it. You know, that that's the thing. That's like, it's an interesting concept that you begin with and we'll get into that a little bit later too but that's that's where this movie sort of has that consistent problem where it's just constant tonal shifts and this will sort of become a recurring theme as you progress through the story it's just like okay what am i supposed to be taking seriously here or you know i'm I'm not asking for every superhero movie to be like watchman's style you know like depressing you know in, in you know introverted or looking at itself but you know it's come to this point now with marvel with mcu movies in general where they just treat everything like a joke and everything self-referential to the point where you're like right okay if you don't take yourself seriously like how am i supposed to be invested in anything that actually is thematically going on in this um it's it's just leading you it's become become a sitcom and a bad one like a pilot episode
1: yeah they're starting to lack the sincerity that's needed um to kind of make you connect with some of these characters um at times we obviously move on from from gore and go straight to our main character which is which is thor and we get a bit of a backstory as to what he's been up to since the events of endgame hanging around with the guardians of the galaxy who have a bit of a extended cameo appearance here it almost feels like taika waititi wasn't sure what to do with uh with with the ending of end game and just yeah. kind of like shooed them away as fast as possible. Um, so he's basically a glorified member of the guardians and, and has sorted out his, his kind of way and is just trying to like find his, his place in the world.
0: Yeah. It's, I feel like the, could have squeezed a little more juice out of the Peter Quill and the Thor dynamic that they kind of introduced in Infinity War and End Game because I you know I love Hemsworth and um and you know Chris Pratt but the energy they had between them two and the banter playing off each other the rivalry was quite fun was one of the highlights of Infinity War for me so I I was kind of missing a little bit of that too yeah I completely agree and and
1: and I think Infinity War and End Game handled. The character of Thor really well, like in Infinity War. He just pretty much lost everybody—his dad, his brother, his his home—and they they kind of broke down the bravado, the kind of jokey nature that Thor had with Peter Quill to kind of like like really show how much he was kind of struggling. Yeah. And then, and, also- and then, Endgame kind of took it a step further with with kind of his mental health having having failed his his mission to to kill Thanos and 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 kind of how he dealt with that in a bad way no longer feeling worthy um yeah as a god um but then this it kind of it all kind of gets swept
0: under the rug pretty quick here would you say yeah and also like you're you're you made a really interesting point about his performance in both of those um those you know those movies infinity war and endgame and the thing that made that perform- performance so funny uh, matched with Peter Quill was how deadpan Thor was and Chris Hemsworth's really good at delivering those that deadpan humour and here it's complete shift where it's more on the side of that himbo goofiness which you're just getting 100% of the time or i actually which is you know hemsworth is good at that too but i think he's much more st- stronger when he is um when he's a little bit less self-aware of of how um funny he's being in the moment and that's more like that drax thing where it's that uh lack of self-awareness and i i, I was missing a lot of that during this movie
1: yeah, it's almost as if Thor was trying to be funny this time. Yeah. Whereas I think even Ragnarok,
0: he wasn't always in on the
1: joke per se. Mm-hmm. Um, even though that's a a funnier film, um, and they obviously kind of did take some kind of liberties to make Thor a more comedic character. Which you know, I'm not mad against. Like, I feel like Marvel really don't know what to do with Thor. They've it seems they've struggled with with kind of every film in a way. And like, how do mm-hmm. we? Do we do we go heavy on the Norse mythology? Do we do we turn it into a fish out of water kind of thing? Do we go yeah. full blown comedy? Uh, which obviously Ragnarok, I think, kind of cut the balance pretty well. I don't love Ragnarok, but I think it, I think it's a pretty decent and funny film. Um, but mm-hmm. I think I think here they 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 tried to go down like an element of like this is just a full blown comedy with a bit of a paper thin plot to kind of tie the jokes together, and it didn't really work for me. I didn't find it as funny this time, which I know is very subjective, but a lot of the jokes fell flat and they just kind of felt like, oh, let's just say a silly thing to be silly. And there wasn't as much kind of smarts or anything behind it so much.
0: I just think that it's so funny to me that Taika Waititi openly stated um, that he was not interested in doing another Thor Ragnarok type movie, that he actually... In quotes, he said, wanted to do something more interesting for myself to keep the whole thing ignited and to make sure that I'm feeling creatively stimulated. And then he just goes on to make Ragnarok again, but like times ten. So really, doesn't make sense there, actually. Well, it's definitely different
1: than Ragnarok. It's, I would say, it's not as wacky. Maybe it kind of it it does go. It kind of cuts that balance of going back to a like a straight-laced <laughs> adventure film without as much kind of weird wackiness. Like, I think they get rid of the wackiness at the start with all the cosmic stuff that happens with aliens and different planets and, and all that kind of stuff. And then, mm-hmm. you know, obviously there is still some wackiness to be had, but it's very much more just about like gods and traveling to, to, to this MacGuffin to stop that thing, to stop that thing kind of thing.
0: And I think, well, I think the thing that he's referencing completely there, and and in, in in that quote, is the fact that we have this concept with Gore the Butcher and the disassociation of religion and gods that are bored and apathetic to their followers. I mean, there's some really good meat on the bones there, but to make that the c plot of the movie and trade for what can only be described as like, like I said, a candy colored sort of assault on the senses. I I'm sorry if that's a bit too harsh of a of a statement. I just think it's a little bit disappointing that you just, you know, if you double down on something, because there's a really good Christian Bale performance hidden in this. There's almost like he's conjuring up this sort of American Psycho energy at times. You can see mm-hmm. creeping through, you know, um, and you can tell the physicality that he puts into it. Like he's lost, obviously, lost a lot of a lot of weight for this performance, and I feel like Christian Bale doesn't get. Any buying for his buck. You know, he doesn't get the investment he's put into it doesn't really seem to have really um come come out in favor for him. No, I definitely thought that watching the film, I thought like obviously he looks creepy
1: and mm-hmm. obviously the bare bones of a backstory is is like interesting enough motivation. Um, and he sounds creepy and he looks good in the shadows and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But to me, I almost felt like we we don't really see him kill many gods, if but one, and he is just a boogeyman, but he's never that like nobody never feels like he's that scary of a boogeyman. Even when we have a scene where there's many gods together, they don't seem to be too fussed about him either. And I just feel like we should have maybe seen him like fully unleash and kind of show off his power. And I also kind of felt like there's a, there's a film here where Gore is treated in the same way Thanos was in infinity war. Where he's basically yeah. a main character, and I think like I would have probably, I think that would have been a more interesting film to really have Thor and Gore have as much screen time as each other because you've got Gore who's lost his faith in 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 gods, and mm-hmm. then you have Thor who, out of Endgame, maybe didn't feel worthy to be a god or was working on that, and like maybe needed, maybe he you know he kind of sympathizes more with Gore, which I think like there's an element of they touch on that, but the film is so unfocused that it never really sticks to one idea. It's a whole bunch of ideas thrown at the screen loosely tied together. And I just, I think I would have liked to have seen Thor become more contemplative with Mm -hmm. this idea of being a God and how to be a God and how to inspire people. Because I think there's some really interesting scenes at the end where obviously you are watching myths and legends be told, um as he communicates with the children who have been kidnapped and then how he inspires them to kind of like fight back and give them his power and stuff like that. I thought that was really interesting stuff. And I think if it had a more interesting kind of through line of him becoming the inspirational God as God mm-hmm. should be to people, the the light in the dark, the hope that's needed in, in in terrible times, uh I I think this would have like hit a lot heavier. I mean, the fact that we, like, we've not even touched on several other characters in this film just shows just like how kind of like all over the place this film is. It feels like it's juggling so many things and didn't yeah. know how to
0: tie them into one straight line. Which I and think... we've, we've even like, you know, it's so so many avenues, to, so many directions to talk about this movie. I think we've forgotten to even like go back to actually, you know, the first, basic act of the movie we haven't really even gone through talking uh, about our introduction to you know uh, there's this thing i'm really kind of annoyed with with marvel movies at the minute where it seems to be the norm where um we open up or we introduce to our character free a scene of them fighting a sub b tier sort of villain and that's what we get here on the planet, where it's like Guardians 2 did it, where we're, t- we're fighting some tentacle monster, you know, even the recent Doctor Strange movie does it. It's like, this is our way of always introducing our characters. It's almost like we are devoid of any creativity here in terms of how to open our movies in a in a sort of interesting way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely get it. It was very cookie-cutter Marvel here. Um, and I think maybe... Maybe they thought the jokes were funnier, but um yeah, for me they feel flat and I know you had a did you say your audience were very much in the same vein? Like not really there wasn't that
0: much laughter coming from your audience or or Oh it- no, no, no no quite the opposite, actually. Oh, okay. Um Yeah, no. Our the audience was really was really lapping it up. Actually, um there are quite a few people Laugh out loud, laughing, you know, um, especially when the goats are the screaming goats are oh, yeah. introduced, which is a joke that is so, you know, so overused here too, isn't it? It's <laughs> um, well, that, I mean, I maybe that really... goes to show just how
1: subjective the comedy is. But my, I definitely felt with my audience, there wasn't as much. There was definitely laughter. Like, there's definitely funny jokes in this film. Like Taika Waititi is a funny guy. Um, it just seems this time there were more misses than hits. But again. Some people are gonna still like the hits.
0: Look, I, I I was just I, I went in super positive. I knew that this had a sort of mixed response, but I'm always going into a Marvel movie, always looking to find the best in it. Because when a superhero movie really works for me, it's you know it's really good. I I really enjoy some of the things that Marvel cranks out. That's really that's been really successful. Things like you know Black Panther. I even quite like some of the early earlier Thor movies, but it's just like. I don't know. It's it's fun to poke at the concept of Thor being an MCU superhero. And that's like a bit of a silly origin story when comparing to other members of the Avengers. But when your movie is so winky and so self-referential to the level of, like I said, being like a sitcom pilot, that's where I'm supposed to be. You know, that's that's where it loses me. And um Yeah. And that kind of sets the tone for the movie and what did what did you think of russell Crow, russell crowe's appearance as zeus in the city of omnipotence
1: i'm not gonna lie that was actually one of my favorite parts maybe just maybe <laughs> just because russell crowe was just going really hammy and 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 kind of what, what uh, accent
0: was he going for well it I was knew greek it, was, it greek. was greek yes
1: obviously g- but I think it was. I think it was a, a relatively decent Greek accent. I definitely, I definitely heard some people like that on my recent <laughs> Greek holiday. Like, uh, maybe not exactly. You think? Like, uh, but <laughs> I mean, maybe get maybe get into some trouble. But yeah, no. I, I I thought I thought it wasn't it wasn't an
0: awful Greek accent. I think he just basically just put a compass. I like like use in mathematics and put it right in the middle of the Mediterranean and just did like a big circle for like 300 miles. <laughs> I think that's basically what that accent was. Well, apparently uh,
1: I read an article, uh, Taika Waititi was saying they actually filmed all his scenes twice. So one where he was doing a British accent and then one where he was doing the Greek accent. And then when they came to the, to like editing the movie, it did the Greek accent worked better. Cause it definitely felt obviously with Zeus being a Greek God yeah. that it didn't feel right with him having a British accent. Now obviously the accent is funny <laughs> in itself, uh just right, because right. it's so weird coming out of Russell Crowe's mouth. Um but yeah, it's one of the one of the more different um kind of uh yeah, performances really... from
0: Russell Crowe. And He's not really well known for doing good accents in movies. I think like the biggest one was when he played Robin Hood and uh, he was on like a famous BBC interview on the radio where they were asking him why he was doing an an Irish accent and to which he like stormed off on air because okay. he was so he was so annoyed that they had said that it was an Irish accent. He's like, you must be an idiot if you think that I was doing an Irish accent. And then he, he hear him drop the drop his headphones and walk off. <laughs> oh
1: dear. I didn't know that. I'm gonna have to seek that clip out. Yeah, I yeah I liked it there. I mean, yeah, it was good. It, it, I I didn't understand the point of. Well, I guess I kind of understood the point of the scene was going to the gods, but the kind of outcome mm-hmm. of it was very. All over the place. The idea that they initially wanted to maybe like get them to help, but like even before even asking them for help, they were like, "Ah, no, nobody's gonna help. Let's just try steal the lightning bolt, just another weapon to have." Um, and then the idea that they needed to disguise themselves, despite being gods themselves, I was just it, it was the scene felt like there must the have lightning been more bolt on thing.
0: The lightning, I've, I almost forgot that the lightning bolt thing was like an objective of theirs. It's like, that was a really lazy plot device. And it, it didn't feel like, you know, as an audience member watching that, you didn't feel like, oh, yes, that is the thing that they need. It, yeah. it just felt like it was just there to be there. Especially because the lightning bolt wasn't very unique as a weapon
1: anyway. It was just... It ended like, up not being that useful, with, yeah. Yeah, what did it do that other weapons, they <laughs> like magical weapons do anyway um weird um we haven't even touched on the fact that uh natalie portman's back is uh yeah Lady, not lady Thor. sorry the mighty Thor <laughs> doesn't like being called lady Thor, which is fair the mighty Thor, jane foster who i i was really mm-hmm. happy to see her back um you know i i liked her in the in the first two Thor films
0: well it's because you're a really you get... your sense for natalie portman alex well yeah i mean
1: O- an OG crush, you know, from from the Star Wars <laughs> from prequels. the Attack of the Clones days. From the Attack of the Clones days, um, but you yeah, know, I like I liked her in those. I don't think like her, you know, kind of acting abilities were potentially utilized very well uh, in the small kind of romantic yeah. role she played. Uh, but I was happy to see her back here, um, and they they followed the the comics in a in a very. Kind of uh, strong way, which I was surprised mm-hmm. at with the whole cancer storyline. Uh, oh, is that part of the comics? That is
0: part of the comics. Uh, of the comics. Um, it's funny though, it feels convoluted here in this movie though. Uh, I, I was wondering if it was part of the comic uh, uh, thread line. That's what I was going to say. Here it feels weird. Um, mm-hmm. And I think yeah.
1: having. Kind of
0: it's tone again, isn't it? That's it's what it tone, is. It's it's tone, tone
1: and cancer is such a hard-hitting subject. And like my life's been affected by cancer, many people's lives have been affected by cancer. Too. So, mm. for the most part, it's treated pretty sincere. But like when it comes to the to the end of the film, I was just like, "Ah, oh, man! Like, why are we doing this?" You know, uh, you know. We did say we we're going to talk spoilers, so yeah, obviously. Uh, the mighty yeah. Thor, Jane Foster's kind of the hammer is sucking all her energy to fight the cancer. So basically, she if she uses it one more time, she's gonna die. And she uses it to to go help Thor. And I I don't know. I felt like such a I don't know. Actually, I don't know. Just didn't 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 sit right with me. I don't think. I I, I know has kind of dealt with some pretty hard hitting subjects whilst um you know still maintaining his c- comedy in things like Jojo mm. Rabbit and stuff like that but i it just uh, didn't it didn't fully work for me here and I, and I, I would maybe say it didn't always like fully work for me in Jojo Rabbit but I don't i no, that's, don't know that's, if that's, he was that, the right person
0: that's a fair comment i f- feel like i would just really like him to get back to smaller movies i don't want him to sort of you know become a sort of caricature of himself um, I don't know. I feel it's already like... happened though. Like even him just popping
1: up in free
0: guy. He, it
1: feels like he's, he's, mm-hmm. he's entered into the, the Hollywood machine a bit. And, and he's in, he's in light year as well. Yeah. Yeah. Every time I hear his voice there, it just feels like, Oh, there he is again. Like he, he seems to be everywhere at the moment. And I, obviously I don't dislike Taika Waititi. He's a very, very good filmmaker for the most part, but I, I just don't, there was something in love and thunder. And maybe it was COVID, Uh, because obviously
0: they were filming... (laughs) A little bit of a sprinkling of COVID.
1: Well, I'm just saying like they were filming during that time, so it can't have made production easier or anything like that, but it just felt Love and Thunder dropped the ball here a bit. Some, Like, somewhere along the way, this wasn't fully realised to its full potential.
0: Yeah, and I believe... I just just really worry that we're getting to how many more of these sort of YTD movies are we going to get before, you know, not just people like you and me are dissatisfied with it but like the general audience start to start to think right okay noise too much you know yeah uh, i'm worried that that is coming up on the horizon pretty pretty soon um i'm worried i do not really Sign up for the him tackling the Star Wars material, and um, especially if he is going to tackle it in the same way that he has tackled these Thor movies, I just, I just would feel like it would be bad for both him and the Star Wars franchise. So, let's just hope it's another one of those Star Wars projects that gets dropped, like so many.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think there's an element of like, yeah, this does make me worry for his Star Wars film. Um, that being said, he did direct the. Finale of the first season of the Mandalorian, which is a which is a which what yes, which, which was very good, well done uh, episode. And obviously there there's some comedy in there, but it's not it's not the front and center. So maybe he kind mm-hmm. of understands what he's dealing with with Star Wars, whereas obviously Marvel set a precedent that like jokes can be like very good, which is fine. Like what you what you go to the when you go see a fun film like this, but like you want. Comedy, but you also want like heart, and I guess action. Though I'm getting a bit bored of action. I can't think of like one memorable action scene in this film. I I almost feel like Marvel just need to like just make a film with like no action at all because the elements I liked in this film were like the rom commy elements and kind of like the quieter oh. moments. I liked the the kind of flashbacks between Jane and Thor, seeing how they kind of dealt with their relationship post. Through the dark world and then the subsequent yeah. breakup, I liked all that. It was pretty quirky. It was pretty good. The
0: downtime. I think. Yeah, I think this, I, especially when they're traveling to the, is it the shadow? Is it the shadow realm? It's called something like that. Yeah, I, 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 do enjoy the moments where the movie, um, has downtime. Not that it has much of that, but I think because you're just you're looking for that so much, you're looking for that reprieve. And I, let's just talk about the shadow realm. Actually, I thought that was a really good sort of. Um, Breaking the chain for the movie visually and tonally, I was like, "Oh yeah, more of this, please!" I actually really like the somberness of that, and also because you're so you're I don't know if the word treated is is good. I think more you're, like I said, assaulted by the candy color uh, visuals that's going on in most of the film. To have this sudden, sudden like really well photographed moment um, was actually a really good break and one of the mo- moments I really enjoyed about the movie.
1: Yeah, no, I I absolutely agree. Something different star wise and obviously really allowed gore to look really creepy yeah. and scary as he as he came out of the shadows and and yeah really and kind a of unique way of monsters. like when light did hit with like the hammer and stuff like that like bits of red from the from the costume would um appear and stuff like that I really like that it's worth saying as well this was the first marvel film to uh make use of the volume which is obviously the big LED screen, yeah. green screen thing that we've seen in Star Wars. Um, and i i th- i, I thought it looked good in, for the most part. Like I thought this was actually, um, like a pretty nice looking film for the most part, especially on some of the kind of bigger landscapes and stuff like that. Um, they seem to use it a little bit better than maybe Obi Wan did, <laughs> which uh, which maybe made things feel a little bit too kind of claustrophobic even when there were giant landscapes but i i think some of the way the colors kind of bounced off uh yeah. characters and stuff like that just looked it looked less green screeny um here than than some really? films recently now all right yeah i i know you're gonna <laughs> just really saw an imax <laughs> so maybe you got to see the floors more but i I know there's been some dodgy kind of screenshots that people have been sharing on Twitter, but I, I didn't bump across them so much. I thought, especially when they were traveling to the shadow realm and you obviously had, um, space around them and, and kind of the colors no, that of the was, rainbow bridge. That looked that looked, looked, that looked really nice. It's clearly used at the end when they, they, um, come across eternity and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Um, no, I, I like know. that. I, I thought I, that looked quite romantic and I liked how, you know, like, You know, it was kind of like romantic space sort of visual aesthetic going on there. I just felt the rest of like the on planet, the CG environments, especially in the city of Um, omnipotence, were just so garish and over the top and altogether really ugly. I I made me reminded me of films like Gods of Egypt and Clash of the Titans, those sort of like 2010 era movies where we were really starting to get into CGI and using it for a lot of these big blockbuster movies, and it just looked clunky to me. I, I felt like everything was just plopped on the screen, and it was just like I was, it was exhausting to kind of keep up with what was, what was going on at times, especially in those world building, establishing shots that you get. Fair enough.
1: I don't think I, I mean, I don't think I hit that as much. I definitely hit it with like the helmets at times looked awful when they were just kind of look like they've just been like <laughs> looked like a Instagram people's faces and then obviously you had that um that floating headshot when heimdall's son reaches out to them um which looks like something out of a, a b movie and i don't know whether that was the intention or not but it looked like it's it just takes you back a minute you're like what? what am i watching apparently the fourth most expensive
0: marvel film Ever made. So I can't believe how expensive this movie is.
1: It's got to be because they started filming, you know, at the start of COVID restrictions and stuff. It's got to be because it's of great. that. But um yeah, I mean, I I hope Marvel can utilize the volume in a good way going forward because I think there are a lot of their films, especially. I think you saw it a lot in Spider Man No Way Home, which the green st- the green screen was starting to get a little bit obvious.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I feel like I'm not convinced by the volume yet. I feel like it was really well utilized in The Mandalorian, and I think that's simply due to how stripped back the landscape in The Mandalorian is, and how I stripped down and simplified that is. I think when you're dealing with material like this movie, you've got a lot more going on visually, and there's a lot more to accommodate in terms of lo- of lighting and what's going on in the foreground and background. So maybe the- I'm not yet to be completely convinced by it, but I'm yeah, I'm looking forward. To when they finally crack, it, you know, give it a good crack.
1: Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I like I said. I I don't I don't think this was an awful looking film. In fact, like it seems a bit more colourful than most of the MCU's outputs. But um, and kind yeah, of felt a clearly, little bit it, more like it like felt the first a two, bit more like three D, and it's like there was maybe more to it.
0: But yeah, that's that's just that. I don't know. I don't know. Um would this movie have been better? And I know we previously got this year, we got the uh second Doctor Strange movie, Multiverse of Madness. Would this movie have been more suited towards like the type of filmmaker like Sam Raimi, who would have probably had a really good sort of touch on the Gore character, I feel. It would have been really suited towards someone like him. I think we definitely would have seen a lot more of Gore
1: uh in in the film, had it been Sam Raimi, that's for sure. It's an interesting thing because I, I, I do wonder if Sam Raimi after kind of and awesome powerful, wasn't keen to go back into like a, a fully fantastical world, which obviously most of this film takes place off of earth. It's it's not really much of earth going on. Um, so yeah. whether he would have been too keen on that, because I, I know he likes returning to New York and, and kind of getting that, but um, would I have wanted I
0: I don't know. I
1: don't know. I think after Ragnarok, to have such a tonal change again to Sam Raimi would would not have been maybe the best idea.
0: That's true. But Thor is, yeah, I guess so. But Thor is not a stranger to tonal changes, though. I mean, all three of those uh, those movies that preceded this one have completely different tones. I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's yeah, like you're saying, it's like they're not fully comfortable with, with the Thor character yeah, even though I think they should be Chris Hemsworth completely owns it Um, I think you can just make a compelling story and I think you're right if they made Thor a little bit more internal and a little bit more regretful Um, because the openings they have this sort of opening montage where they, you know, it's like his brother died, his brother Loki died, and then died again. His mother died. Instead of like making that like a two-second joke, wouldn't it be much more interesting if they made that sort of the core element of his character of this in this film instead of the himbo, goofy, self-winking stuff? It would have had a lot more tangible stuff going on, and that would have married really well with the gore story. I think. Yeah.
1: Uh, that's that's exactly my thoughts and and i think that's where maybe the film it's so unfocused with so many different ideas um like valkyrie here kind of almost just feels like she could have been swapped out for anyone hell oh, even, and i love tessa. Even, my, oh my yeah favorite part of the film i absolutely love tessa thompson as well um i would Same. have loved to have just seen tessa thompson and, and natalie portman just Doing cool shit for a while, and then bring Chris Hemsworth in later. But again, I love Chris Hemsworth. He's a charisma machine. He's obviously yeah. ripped as hell, and great to look at as well. Uh, but you know,
0: it's just um, he, yeah. I don't think he could get any more ripped. But it movie. just
1: feels like everything was just there, but there was no reason for it being there. But you're right; that something focus on that would have tied everything a little bit more together. And that's why I think like his character was handled so much better in Infinity War and Endgame because they broke that down a little bit to kind of, you know, figure out what's going on behind all the Mm -hmm. bravado and then, you know, kind of breaching all the sorrow. And I just think yeah, it would it would have been it would have married perfectly with Gore. Why why wouldn't they have done that?
0: They're missing such a trick with uh, Tessa Thompson as Valky- uh, Valk- King Valkyrie. She's so good in this role. I mean, I and I also thought from the trailers that she- we would get to see a lot more of her doing a lot more in this movie. Yeah. Like, I want to see her how she governs new New Asgard. I really like her laid back attitude. I love her line delivery. That's sort of almost like Corella Deville esque like British accent ax- accent that she puts on there. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. I just think she's a lot of fun. I would really like if we're going to do another Thor movie. I would really like something that maybe focuses on her dynamic with Thor. And um, we got a little bit of that in Ragnarok. But I think, you know, she, she's almost worthy of having her own movie.
1: Absolutely. And my feelings were the same with Jane Foster. I was so mad they killed her at the end of this film because we <sighs> yeah. we really didn't see enough of her. and I didn't think
0: it was going to go that way, actually.
1: No, I thought the final wish would have been like to save her. Um, yeah how come he didn't get a wish why is it only
0: like it didn't really explain that very well Well, didn't
1: they say something in where the god said the first person to reach eternity gets to make the wish or something like that okay i don't know whether that that means no one can ever make a wish again now but i guess gore was the first out of that group to reach eternity but i thought that's where it was going i'm surprised (laughs) but then again should i have been surprised the daughter thing did make sense but i just i was just mad that they they just kind of disregarded this character so fast you you don't like yeah. you only just like see her settle into the kind of heroic ways and, and especially
0: uh, the fanfare they made when they announced it originally in Comic-Con where you know where she's where Taika is holding Natalie Portman's hand up in the air like uh, the next Thor and everything and and to only be like a small plot device in this is kind of like a disappointing thing. I just feel like Natalie Portman gets a rough deal in all of these Thor movies. It's like, she's, she can never give a bad performance, you know, no matter how badly the character is written. Um, Natalie Portman always gives a solid effort. Um, but it's just, you're right. They just did not find a way to utilize her to her full potential because we all know she's an amazing actress. We you know yeah. even to this day, it's not like she's on the downturn or anything. It's just, um, I feel like she was casted wrongly maybe in the first Thor movie, and then they just kind of had to continue the thread line. Is that probably more the the thing? Maybe i because
1: she's been a bit sour on those first two Thor films, and that's why she didn't return, uh, for, like the mm-hmm. Avengers films or Ragnarok, and kind of like distanced herself from Marvel. And obviously, Taika kind of said why don't you come back and I'll make you more of a character. And and obviously she was definitely more of a character here, but I do wonder if maybe she was the one who was like, I'll come back for one more, but you've got to kill me off kind of thing. Bit of a Harrison Ford type.
0: (laughs) type I feel she looked like, I know. I know the whole point of it is that she's new to the superhero thing and isn't it funny that she's like suddenly from being mortal she now has like the same she has the powers of a god but she did seem like a bit of a fish out of water in, in an uncool sense like she kind of like the grown up he turned up to the party and like, hey kids, uh, is this what you guys do? Um it felt like she was a little bit out of place. She didn't feel like comfortable in the role of a hero. I know that's sort of kind of thematically what's going on, but it still felt mm, <laughs> unintentional, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah,
1: and it and it didn't play into the themes of uh, you know, wanting all gods dead. Like, would it have been Jane Foster's way to be like well actually a god should behave like this like as somebody who hasn't been a god a god should be here to do this and she inspires people and and maybe she turns gore's kind of yeah. head because she's able to turn thor back into uh, you know a, a a person who's who's kind of admired i don't know like there was just so many storylines they could have gone down to kind of like flesh out why she was there but it felt more of a kind of like hey we're doing something that was done in the comics um, and we're just kind of like shoehorning her into this kind of wacky story. Um, I, yeah. just, I just feel like there was so much potential to go really delve deep on the kind of um, faith angle. Cause I thought it was so yeah. interesting. It felt like you could have gone down. Have you ever read American gods or seen the TV show?
0: I've seen the TV show, and yeah, I was pretty impressed with the concept of that show.
1: Yeah. It definitely felt like that. Like, Marvel has that kind of thing of, like, whatever you believe in, like, it is real. Like, obviously, we've seen Egyptian gods, we've seen Norse gods, we've seen Greek gods. Like, mm-hmm. and and at the end, we actually get to see that there is a Valhalla, like, the Norse heaven is real. Yeah. So oh, and, and in Moon Knight, we get to see that there is, I can't remember what the... Like the Egyptian
0: heaven is, but like they nearly end up going there. So, is like, it like the, Marvel's MCU is trying to expand the universe to create oh yeah. more stages. But this idea, like, this idea that like gods are real and whatever you believe in
1: and whatever afterlife you believe in, like you'll end up there mm-hmm. kind of thing is so interesting. Um, and I just, I just think so like they didn't really kind of, I know it's a kids' film at the end of the day, but they didn't, like, I think there could have been like a kind of philosophical level to
0: this um 100 it's in the dna of the movie yeah no uh, it it is a disappointing thing but looking at the overall picture now where are we now going with marvel are we going are we on the downward spiral now here that we can't really like resurrect the good Are, are the glory days behind us now was like infinity war endgame like the peak and now we're just going to like really squeeze this this property until you know it runs dry and people get fed up and come out with their pitchforks um i don't know it's it's hard to predict where this is going
1: it's true i, th- I think marvel have a massive um quantity over quality issue at the moment Obviously, they're they're dishing out TV shows. Like mm-hmm. It's like one every like forty seven
0: hours of, of Marvel content this year, isn't yeah. it? Or or this this phase, or it's, it's it's something it's crazy like that. it's like, to like the phase other phases, already, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and and they always
1: seem to have a good start, the TV shows especially, and then kind of like kind of peter out a bit near the end. We've discussed this before, and I just and the films, yeah. haven't like blown anybody's minds. Um, in the same kind of way that other ones have. And I just, I know people want a direction, but I really don't care for an overarching story again. I, I just want to see good character studies and kind of thematically interesting mm-hmm. films, films that feel like they've been made because there's a story to tell here. And we want to advance this character. Yeah. Whereas the films feel like they're being made just to keep the character around, for the next big thing that's gonna happen at some point. And obviously they've not really teased what's gonna happen so much, but I don't know. That's an issue
0: that's an issue with like what we you know, the the storyboarding of what a superhero movie is. And I think we don't we, we forget that they don't have to be about defeating some big bad all the time. We can have way more smaller stories and focus on character. Um, you know, like going back to I know we talked about Sam Raimi, but we go back to like Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies that were a lot, lot smaller in scope, and, but end up accomplishing a lot more. And they feel like fully realized movies from from beginning to end. Um, but this doesn't feel this just feels episodic at the stage. Um, it feels inconsequential. When you watch this movie it, you feel like it's a movie of two acts as opposed to three and um you know i'm waiting for the next part to happen so i don't know it's just i'm i'm i want a little bit more reason to exist
1: yeah definitely and it it really does feel like when you see the early reactions from marvel films now like every time it's like hey, I had really fun, a lot of fun with this film. Like, (laughs) oh, and the post-credits are incredible. Like, people are so big (laughs) on, like, how incredible the post-credits are. And you're just like, excellent. We're just advertising the next thing constantly. And I know it's a formula that's worked, but, God, come on. Like, and the stakes are always end of the world shit. Like, come on. Spider-Man 2 feels like it has high stakes, but it's literally like, will I get the girl? Will I can I can I be Spider-Man and not push my family away? Can I live a dual life? And it feels just as high stakes as Gore the God Butcher, um killing all gods,
0: you know? yeah, it's it's like they're it's like we're out of touch of what the fans want. It's like we've got so many different divisions of fans and uh, we don't want to alienate one over the other, do what Star Wars did with its sequel trilogy um, and then end up going the opposite way and going back on ourselves and being really scared and making something that just pleases everybody but doesn't really set the world on fire. Um, it's It's again we've had this conversation before i don't think we bore people by listening to it again but i think it really does devolve from this big corporation mentality where we are in this stage with films now where when they're over 200 million dollars we we are scared to do anything out of the ordinary i think the, the the time for making auteur pioneering movies that are got a budget that big um unless you're james cameron or someone who's got a bucket load of money are um or are, or are, are sadly behind us.
1: Yeah, it feels less like Marvel are breaking the wheel, like maybe they were at the start, and they are just the wheel now. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I I, I mean, I'm sh- I feel like Kevin Feige is a good enough producer that he'll he'll learn from mistakes. And oh yeah, and, but it's just you you just got to hope that he's he's listening to the right concerns, and he's not listening to. Uh, you know like the loud people on on social media just being like, oh well, so and so should have cameoed here, because that's so boring.
0: <laughs> no, honestly, and and you feel like those end credit scenes that you were mentioning, it's like you're making them because you have to. You've submitted yourself to a formula that you have to commit to. Every, but nobody at the end of a Marvel movie leaves. At at the end of the movie, it just doesn't happen now. It's so well in the psyche, in, in a second nature to us uh, as as viewers, and to the point that if somebody does walk out, people like start you know like whispering to each other, going like, "Why that guy leave?" And it, it's it's so strange now, but they feel like they they don't have any reason to exist other than existing because they've got nowhere to join up to. There's no, like I said, there's no overarching um story going on at the minute. So why do we need? post-credit scenes. Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't hate them, I just hate the emphasis on like reviewing, yeah, <laughs> reviewing Sorry. them and making them like as exciting as the film itself when it's like <laughs> none of them none of them are, uh, should ever be as should be more exciting than the film you've just seen.
0: Um yeah, game. it's almost like a form of gambling where it's like where you get like um, those video games where it's like FIFA, where you get like those cards and you peek, have pay like fifty p to peek at what your card could be, and it's like it's that human curiosity thing. And oh, I think yeah. as opposed to actually being excited about the material, it's
1: always nice to get a tease of what's next. But yeah, I just I think it's more when people are raving more about the post credits than the film. It's it's like ah, oh, come on, guys.
0: <laughs> Come on. <laughs> well, says says a lot about the movie.
1: Maybe. Maybe that's the case. Maybe that's the case. I mean, sh- <laughs> shall we discuss the post credit scenes? <laughs>
0: shall we? Shall we become is those there, people? Is there much I mean, we like you said earlier, we get we get Natalie Portman. She ascends to Valhalla where she's met with um I forget what's uh Idris Elba's character. I'm sorry, everybody's I'm screaming no. at me right now. <laughs> Yes, she is met. She has met there, and she is welcome to Valhalla. And we get a little glimpse of a CGI Valhalla, and we know that it's real. I suppose. So, uh, do you reckon that's and, a tease of like, these
1: guys could come back, or do you think it's just a little like wink, like? Well,
0: they're, they're, we could probably but, like communicate with them or something. Like, you know, is that what you're saying? Well, I just didn't know whether it was like a nice little like,
1: just little send off for. For both Heimdall and uh, Jane Foster, in a way of like they're in a they're in a peaceful place now. They have yeah. ascended to Valhalla, um, and that's where they are. Or is it like a? Oh, well, it is a physical thing, and yeah. potentially will bring them back. So one is like does
0: that mean like a Morton Joe and like the cast of Mad Max Fury Roads there? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, and then obviously the other one was
1: the introduction of. Hercules, who's being played by introduction, introduction, introduction of uh, Hercules or Heracles, as they pronounce it in Greek, um, who's being played by Roy Kent, <laughs> Brett Goldstein, but Roy Kent from uh, from Ted Lasso, but yeah, Brett Goldstein, I think is his actual name, <laughs> just known as Roy Kent. Though. Yes,
0: yeah, yeah. I think everybody just knows him as Roy Kent. <laughs> The thing that I'm most interested in with um with, with with uh, him appearing as Hercules if he appears in the next movie is, is he going to be shaved or not? Because he is hairy in Ted Lasso. <laughs> I don't know if Hercules is going to be that hairy.
1: That's true. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see
0: how much Marvel pay him. We should have got a post credit scene about like waxing or something. <laughs> i got excited. That. That'll
1: be in the post credit scene of the Hercules movie. <laughs> so. Would you recommend people to to see the film, Chris, or is this is this a miss for you?
0: Um, it's a miss. It's a miss for me. I feel like if you're wanting something that's a distraction, and you really were high on the stuff that Taika Waititi was giving you in Thor Ragnarok, and you thought, oh, that wasn't enough, probably this is the movie for you. But I felt like it just didn't thematically work for me and i thought that the jokes weren't funny and i think they came at such a rapid pace that i couldn't even you know think about if i liked them or not <laughs> it was just like i was straining to enjoy myself so uh, it's a, it's going to be a pass for me it's pro- it's not my top tier of marvel movies i don't know how you felt about it alex no
1: i'm 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 very very similar to you I think I think there's there's no doubt that there's still fun to be had and i I think that's maybe like the saving grace of these marvel films that no matter the quality, they're always a relatively fun yeah. time at the at the cinema but yeah, it definitely feels like yeah. this one was just a bit of just thrown out there, and it's like okay, okay um interesting to see where Thor goes next with his kind of surrogate daughter in a way gore's daughter who's oh, yeah, actually played like by chris hemsworth's uh child so there you go nepotism at its finest <laughs> uh or cheap labor i think taika waititi said um but that's an interest that's an interesting angle i think to go down the the father route uh so who knows maybe the, the next film will offer a more interesting angle into Thor. So there you have it. Uh, We're not too big on the latest Marvel film, but who knows? Maybe it'll get better and they'll learn from their mistakes. Uh, Mm. I've enjoyed chatting to you, Chris. So that's it for the film angle tonight. I'm Alex.
0: And I'm Chris. Good night.